the army where you shoot them a mile away, you gotta get up close like this, but a bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. This will I Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> Learn it, know it, live it. Are you running a business or a charity war? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. <laughs> Yankees win! Pull over! No, it's a From the weekend, happy Easter. And uh, it's going to snow tonight. There you go. Oh, it snows right through uh, Mother's Day, right? You know, hap- you know, one one year it snows on Mother's Day. Now it's going to snow on Mother's Day for forever or beyond that. I, 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 it's like one of those things where you just people just pile on. You know, even the new guy, even though he's, you know, the, the guy from uh, Arkansas or Kentucky is in one of those states. He's the weatherman over there at Channel 7 there. Even he heard. Even he, it's funny. And, uh, you, you know, you come to an area and you kind of t- teach uh, old, old dogs old, old terminology. So in essence, they're learning, but they're kind of trying to teach you at the same time. And I like what the kid is doing. Kid, he's probably 30-something years old. This guy with the beard, you know. Uh, I forget his name, to be quite honest. This is awful, but uh, that's just my age. That's... It's a reflection on me. But he, he loves talking about the weather. So I remember we got four feet of snow and I, and I broke my ankle that night. <laughs> so he's already got a history here of bad weather. He's not from here. Like, no, like, like 99% of the other than Jeff Cole and Mel Bussler, everyone is pretty much from somewhere else at Channel 7. But recently the, the weekend anchorman reminded us, says, well, it, you know, people don't hold their breath until Mother's Day because it snowed on Mother's Day. You know, that, that probably happened when he was two and a half years old. He was still in diapers. But it's true. That one year, what, 1995, mid-90s, a long time ago. Like, we're talking 27 years ago. People can't forget that. You're not, not going to forget the, uh, the, uh, uh, the blizzard of 77, the ice storm of 91 and 98, uh, other storms from, I believe, 1966. If you're old enough, you might remember that. But uh, no one forgets, uh, 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 you know, the Mother's Day. Snow, it's snow like 14 inches. It, 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 it happens. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. This boy, you know, uh, Amy Horton was talking about, oh, boy, they're bringing back the mask mandates. It's, yep, they want those midterms. And Glenn, she, she just says, Glenn, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The midterms mean nothing. As far, there's no such thing as a swing state in a midterm. It's not. It just doesn't exist. So I just blurred it out there. I, I just got this whole thing that, yep, they're, they're, gonna, they're, they're gearing up for 2024. It might be 2022, but they're gearing up for 2024. Sonny Houston said something today on the, on the View, you know, the, the Yenta show on ABC there. She said, uh, I just can't believe anything's possible. People believe anything. People believe that uh, Donald Trump was our president for four years, she says today. <laughs> this just cracks me up. It really cracks me up. 
I feel like Mo Green, you know, and pardon the expression, but he says this in the movies. He says, you goddamn guineas make me laugh. First, they take Freddy in here when things aren't going okay. You took in Freddy with a guarantee from the Molinari family on the West Coast. You want to talk business? I'll talk business. The Corleone family's all done. I talked to Bazzini. Sorry. Go off in those little tangents. Uh, anyway, uh, it just w- once we get past Mother's Day, we might be talking about springtime. But just to add another foot fo- footnote on things, or adding yeah, it's insult to injury, or th- or throwing gasoline on the already big fire. Last Friday, last Memorial Day Friday, I was doing uh, uh, TV spots for the for the Widget Auto dealership on Ottawa Washington Street, and yes, it was snowing. So there you have it. So now we push it f- even further beyond Mother's Day. Because Glenn Curry saw snowflakes on Memorial Day Friday. I wonder if the weatherman's going to use that from now on. We have a couple of guests calling in today. Uh, one of which, uh, is, his name is, uh, uh, oh, I hope I'm getting this right. Uh, this is awful. I, I want to m- make sure I say his name correctly. Mario Frato. And uh, he's running for Congress. Now, you've been hearing spots here for another person who happens to be a congressperson for, I believe, the 25th district. I don't know. They're, they're redistricting everything. So we'll talk to Mario and his chances. He is a Republican running in this primary against Congressman uh, Jacobs for the, for the new, newly assembled, boy, am I getting this right, 24th district. We used to be the 21st. Now we're going to be the 24th. But Congressman Jacobs is part of the 25th and buff. I don't know. I can't figure it out. But we'll talk to uh, Mario. And uh, you, might have seen, you might see ads here and there for him. This might be him calling in right now on Facebook and um, and, and in other areas, but a uh, young man, he's an attorney, just had a baby, and uh, he wants to be your congressman. Let's see if this is Mario. Hi, is this Mario? Yes. Hi, hi. how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing, Glenn? Good, good, good. We spoke earlier, and thanks for taking my call. Uh, and essentially, we, we met on the radio on the phone today, and uh, we wanted to set things up uh, as soon as possible because your 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 schedule allowed it. Uh, Mario Frado running for Congress. You you are a uh, a brand new dad, and uh, you're also an attorney. Uh, and where where do you, where do you reside, Mario? So I'm in Geneva, New York. Um, I'm right about in the middle of this district right now, uh, about two hours from one end or the other. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, quite a ways. And, and again, you and I talked a little bit about the gerrymandering and, and, and the redistricting and whatnot. We'll get to that in a bit, not to mention uh, the, the lawsuit that's on the table that you and I both agree probably won't go anywhere. So at the end of the day, this will be a new district that extends all the way, like Mario just said, uh, from the western part of New York outside uh, uh, Buffalo, right here through the eastern part of the new district of the 25th, uh, right here in Jefferson County. Uh, and, and, and you know what? You say a lot of great things, Mario. You're a young guy. You say on your own website, if you're like me, meaning yourself, you barely recognize the country you grew up in. Uh, we are losing our jobs, our freedom, and our culture. You know, it goes well beyond that. This is me talking now as far as my observations of upstate New York. Remember, it was Elliot Spitzer when he was running for governor years ago. He was driving through the New York State Thruway, Mario. I don't know if you remember this. But he basically said that upstate New York looks like parts of Appalachia. Uh, would, would you agree with that? And, and what, what, do you, what would you say about the, the state of the economy under Mario Cuomo, now under uh, Governor Hochul these days? I know we're not here to talk about the governors, but well, I just want to talk to you about the, you know, the, the state of, uh, of upstate and what your thoughts are on it these days. Well, I think that upstate New York is not unlike so many other parts of the country where they've just been overtaxed and overregulated, and the people have really been sold out. You know, a big thing that I've been talking about is ending our dependence on China. 
and I think that directly coincides with the economic decline here. Once we started trading with China, we let them in World Trade Organization right. um, back in the 70s, 80s. You, you can look consistently every year. It's gotten worse and worse to the point we're at now where it's about $500 billion trade deficit every year with China. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely we've seen our factories close and our jobs get shipped overseas. The U.S. steel that we were ha- uh, making here, um, you know, so many other goods that we were making here are now produced in China. And that those jobs, they told us, weren't coming back. We did see under President Trump, we saw the largest increase in decades in manufacturing jobs returning. And I think we need that. You know, it's, it's, it's just something that kind of destroyed the country. If you really look at it, I mean, economically, our relationship with China um, has, has put us in a really bad way. There's no question. And, uh, and we've seen that we used to be the Empire State eons ago. Uh, we, as a state, we contributed so much. It started back in the early part of the 19th century, too, with the advent of the Erie Canal and, and how we were, you know, essentially the ar- ar- arsenal behind the Civil War and, and then the Industrial Revolution. There's so many contributions to upstate New York, but it certainly has changed. We just can't blame, uh, you know, Andrew Cuomo. We can go back way before that to Hugh Carey, to his father afterwards, uh, Mario Cuomo. And just uh, uh, you know, chasing jobs out of here. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that you agree with that your opponent agrees with. And here's why: you're both Republicans, you're both conservatives. So when people go to the primaries at the end of June, you know, and they they see and hear about this other guy that's already an incumbent that he wants to be the congressman of the of the new district now, which is huge, like you just said. Why why would people want to reconsider that and vote for yourself, Mario? Well. I would, I would like to correct that statement. I understand that's what's put out. I believe if you go to Chris Jacobs' um, website, he calls him a conservative reformer. Mm-hmm. Um, look, back in 2020 when he was running for Congress the first time, um, the chairman, I believe it's Ralph Larigo of Erie County Conservative Party, which is Chris Jacobs' home county, said that this district deserves somebody whose views are much more in line with them than Chris Jacobs, mm. meaning that he is not nearly conservative enough he was known as a moderate. Um, his opponent, I believe, back in 2020, even made a website called rhinochris.com. Hmm. Um, he, was, he was a registered Democrat until into the 2000s. I believe he switched to become a Democrat in 99. And this is all public information from his hometown media that I just read. You hmm. know, I didn't know much about him myself. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized he really is a pretty um, moderate to liberal guy. You know, he, he sponsored a bill for transgender rights, which would allow men in women's bathroom, allow boys to play in girls' sports. Hmm. Um, He voted for amnesty for illegals to block deportations for illegals. He voted to strip Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committees, you know, one of only 11 in the party. Mm -hmm. He was one of 35 Republicans who voted for a January 6th commission. And, I mean, those are huge differences. Mm -hmm. All that stuff is just not in line with my views and... You know, we talked about the gerrymandering that the Democrats yep. put in place here when they drew these maps. Right. The one benefit we got out of that is that they wanted to pack every Republican they could into this district. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so massive, because 70 percent of this district is towns with less than 10,000 people. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. because of that, we have a huge edge and we don't need to elect somebody who's moderate. We don't need another John Catco or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody of that ilk. Oh. And we're in a position where we can elect somebody who is a true conservative, and I do not believe that is Chris Jacobs. 
you know, when you say that at certain, you know, again, we had a situation up here not too long ago where someone had changed parties prior to their being elected under one party or the other. That always raises flags. Uh, you know, some people might say the same about Ronald Reagan used to be a Democrat and, and for that matter, even Donald Trump. But if you're saying, for instance, that Jacobs was a Democrat right into the 2000s, uh, that's pretty significant, Mario. Yeah, I mean, he was my age. You know, I'm a lifelong Republican. I, I registered Republican 20 years ago. You know, the, my first vote was in the, the 2002 midterm. Around that same time, I believe Jacobs was a Democrat. And the thing that I, I, I don't like, you know, he I think he himself compared it with Reagan, that I believe Reagan was a Democrat and then became a Republican. Chris Jacobs was a Republican working under the H.W. Bush administration back in the early 90s with hmm. Jack Kemp hmm. and the uh, housing uh, Department of Housing, I think. And then he, when he got out of law school in 99 or 2000, he changed his registration to Democrat. Hmm. And then he must have went back to being a Republican at some point when I don't know. But that tells me that you don't have sincerely held beliefs because I couldn't do something like that, let alone in my 30s, you know, to switch to become a Democrat. So I think it's important that you elect people that actually you know where they stand, yeah. and you can't be going back and forth on major issues like amnesty or transgender rights, or he was pro-choice, you know, voted for taxpayer funding for abortion. Now he says he's pro-life. Right. Yeah. And, and we saw that with, with, uh, with uh, uh, Congressman Katko, who is retiring. Uh, we've seen it with others. We see it with the Illinois representative. I think he's retiring, too, Kinziger. Not to mention Liz Cheney's been on both sides. Uh, and in, in, with respects, of course, to Congressman Jacobs, uh, he really did uh, get down on the president for the, uh, the so-called insurrection. So, and you had just mentioned that, by the way, Mario. But uh, continue, if you will. What, what are your thoughts? Why, why was he so, I guess, eager to, to, to have the proceedings uh, up on the Hill about uh, January 6th, in your opinion? Well, I think it, it's, it's, uh, he was bending to the criticism he got. You know, initially he voted not to certify the election results after January 6th. The second he was called an insurrectionist and took some heat for it, he said that he wanted to vote for an investigation for January 6th, right. even though President Trump directly asked the party not to support that. He said, look, a January 6th commission is a trap that's going to be used by the Democrats to go after all Republicans, most notably President Trump, mm -hmm. to say that he incited this riot. They impeached him over this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was really... Uh, also, I think, a loyalty test to see that if he thought President Trump's political capital was damaged because of what happened, mm -hmm. um, then he decided that he made a calculation to say, you know what, I'm going to turn my back on him this time. And that is why President Trump, after Chris Jacobs voted that way, said that he was ineffective and weak mm -hmm. and that there would be consequences with the voters. And he was directly talking about jacobs and the 35 republicans that did that mm -hmm. and now he has not been endorsed by president trump this cycle he endorsed all the other new york um incumbents for congress and he did not endorse chris jacobs and i think it's for good reason hmm. interesting uh well again the when it, when it comes down to it obviously the 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 uh, and you and i talked this about this as well is that this primary is so huge in that, you know, there will be no, at this point, although you mentioned there, there could be a possible uh, Democratic opponent for the general election in November, but whoever, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say this, whoever wins in June w is our next congressperson for this district. There's no doubt about it. So let's look forward. 
you know, that would mean that you know, up until the 31st of this year, 2022, that would be the final day of being representative by, represented. Excuse me, excuse me, by uh, Congresswoman uh, Elise Stefanik. Those are big shoes to, follow, to, to fill. That's for sure. So, if you could uh, tell us, uh, Mario, we're talking with Mario uh, uh, Frado here on uh, the Live at Five show. How would you be a, a great person to fill her shoes after you know, uh, Congresswoman, uh, you know, after this district, you know, Jefferson County, for that matter, is under your uh, under your leadership? Well, first and foremost, I think it really comes down to being relatable to the people that you're representing, and I'm somebody who considers myself a working class guy. Um, I grew up working construction. I became an attorney first in my family to go to college. Um, and now I'm back to construction, running my family's construction business. Um, the, I just made my first visit up officially to the North Coast. Yes, you were in Clayton. Weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was in Clayton. Um, I went and toured Fort Drum um, with retired Army Colonel Christine Stark, who was a wonderful woman, great patriot. Um, and I had a really good time learning about the base. Um, Watertown, you know, I knocked on some doors and met some folks there. And I think we have a lot in common. And look, it's not, it's not somebody like Chris Jacobs' fault that he was raised with a $25 million trust fund or that his family owns sports teams and has billions of dollars, right? That's, he can't control that. But it does change the way you come up. You know, I, I talked about when I was with the people in Clayton growing up and what different jobs we had. And we, you know, kind of commiserated about saying, geez, we had to wash dishes and, you know, had a paper route and all these things, and I don't think he came up that way, and it's important to, to know where you came from mm -hmm. and to realize that you share common experiences with people. And, you know, look, with, with Congresswoman Stefanik, she's done a great job, yes. but she's also far away. It's a massive district, right? I think she's from outside of, like, Saratoga area. Yes, Glens Falls, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so it's pretty far. I believe I'm actually closer than she was, and she managed to handle a, a very large district, um, geographically speaking. Yep. And I think I could do the same, and I think it really benefits me to be right in the middle where I'm not, you know, over four hours away out in Buffalo, but mm -hmm. I'm in the same area code, right. you know? <laughs> so right, right. I think it's helpful. Yeah, no, it's definitely helpful. And the one thing that I believe I brought the, the topic up with uh, Congress, uh, Congressman uh, Jacobs was about fracking. Uh, and, uh, you know, how ludicrous it is, is that we're not literally tapping into our own resource. Uh, you know, the, the, the Democrats want everyone to drive a $50,000 electric car tomorrow. You and I know, Mario, that's impossible. But that's, what they, that's, that's why gas prices are so high. They're trying to do the old purge on everybody. Uh, and needless to say, other things about green energy and all that. But they refuse, including the governor, refuses to look at fracking. Same thing with Cuomo. Same thing with his father when the, uh, when the idea came up in the 90s. It wasn't going to happen. But our sister state, otherwise known as Pennsylvania, is literally making billions of dollars uh, in the, that industry, not to mention taxes as, as well. What say you about fracking in upstate New York? I think that there's enough research now, like you said, we're seeing it so close by that in, in situations like this, it's absolutely necessary to explore other options. And if you can create jobs and you can give people cheaper energy or even energy that's just affordable, because right now between gas prices and heat right. and all sorts of utilities, it's getting to the point it's not even affordable. So sure. it's, not, it's not about competition anymore. It's about survival for people. You know, the, the wages can't increase fast enough. And if fracking can be a solution, 
then we at the very least need to explore that. And I think the fact that they rule these things out because it's more about virtue signaling was what the, the Democrats like to do. Sure. Is, you know, it's, it's no different. I say it's, it's like somebody's vegan and then right. they don't realize how many animals have to be killed to clear that farm field exactly. just to grow more food. Right. You know, <laughs> but right. they, they, it's, it's, it's a point that they're trying to make that doesn't always equate to the reality. And I think this is a similar situation you know the electric vehicles again. That benefits China. Mm-hmm. They're 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 controlling all the mines in Africa for the lithium, the cobalt, all the resources to make these batteries, mm-hmm. and it's ma- increasing our dependency on China. The solar energy again. The panels are made in China. Yeah. Even though we make better quality solar panels here in the United States, we can't compete with the cheap stuff that that's quite frankly is junk right. coming out of China. Sure. And then disposing of them is a whole other issue. Yeah. But yeah. the problem is it's about now people trying to prove a point about who leaves the smallest carbon footprint. Right. And it's, it's a shame, really. Yeah, and it's also just it's the same old rhetoric. It's, you know, they, they, they're, they're saying the same tune regardless, and they're not addressing issues with their constituents within their given district. We've seen that with AOC. We've seen it with Omar. They have a seat at the table. You want a seat at the table, too, Mario. And, and th- that's a big seat down there at the House of Representatives and then the move up to Senate. That's the biggest. Those are the best and biggest seats ever. But we see today, for instance, Representative Pramila uh, Jayapal from, uh, from Washington. Uh, relatively new, not part of the squad, but she might as well be a part of it. She wants to just get eradicate, just get rid of all student debt. She says that in itself would be gender justice, particularly towards women of color. I was watching Fox News today. There's less than 5% of her, of her constituency is peop- or people of color, more particularly from the black community. It seems like a lot of representatives get into uh, the, the House, and they don't necessarily speak on behalf of their constituents, but they speak on part of their platform and their party. What say you about that? How, what, what approach would you take if you got into Congress, Mario? Oh, absolutely. Look, at it's Pelosi living. There's there's people that are sleeping on the streets all over San Francisco in right. that area of the country, right. and she's showing us her $20,000 refrigerator yeah. with her $20 a pint ice cream. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so, so out of touch. And to me, the number one job you have as a representative, I mean, that's the title of the job, right, U.S. representative. Yeah. The number one job is to represent the people. You're not there for what you think you should do here and you think you should do there if the people you're representing don't want that right. then you shouldn't be doing it that's why it's very important to tell the people who you are and what you stand for so they don't send the wrong man there for the job and that's why i think i'm the right guy because i'm speaking my mind on how i feel on these issues and it resonates with the people because they feel the same way yeah you know so i won't have a problem going there and representing them because we share the same values we share the same political views. And with somebody like Jacobs, I don't think the, the people of his district wanted the, him to vote for a January 6th investigation. Not up here, no. no. That, they, that they wanted um, you know, transgender rights and, and allowing um, men and women's bathrooms. Mm-hmm. I don't think they wanted amnesty for illegals. I don't think they wanted him to strip Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, so all these, the red flag laws that he voted for to take your guns without due process, right. not in a district like this. Yeah. Do you think that the redistricting in, in, if, with regards to his, his uh, approach to certain things, social things that you just uh, uh, laid out right here, Mario, do you think that uh, it's, it's tough for him, to, for him to relate to a more conservative d- 
district, then the more, I guess you could say, without knowing his district prior to this and where it is right now, but is it a little bit of both, and that's why he, he kowtows to both sides of the political aisle? No, you want to know, quite frankly, he had the most conservative district in New York State before this, and that's why people like Erie County Conservative Party and even outgoing Representative Chris Collins said he's not the right guy for this district, but he changed his tune to get in there. Mm. But as soon as he got in, he showed who he was again, and I also think it was a political calculation because he believed that with the redistricting, they could have easily put him in a district like John Katko had where he has part of the city of Buffalo, and all of a sudden it's a two- or three-point Democratic advantage in the district or it's a toss-up, right. and he needs to play to the middle. That's what I'm so saying. So he yeah. started to show his, his true moderate colors again, and then all of a sudden he found himself in a massive rural agricultural very deep red right, district, right. and now he has to explain why he voted for all these things that the voters want nothing to do with. Interesting. So obviously Mario Frado, who was speaking, was running uh, against in this primary against the incumbent for the new district. Uh, real quick, in as far as the redistricting is concerned, there's a law ta- lawsuit on the table right now. It's probably baseless because of all the judges are literally appointed by the former governor, uh, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, but uh, again, I, I'll just make a little commentary here. Uh, it, in a real estate deal, uh, the redistricting would be laughed off the table. You know, because you couldn't just sell a branch right. of a property that gen- gerrymanders around a particular county like Monroe. So what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the whole districting, redistricting? And I'll just tell you personally separating Jefferson, St. Lawrence, and, and Lewis County for the first time ever is, an, is, not, is not a good thing for future congresspeople, Mario. No, and, and here's, here's a great example is that, you know, I know, I, I think Chris Jacobs said he thought it was nice for Fort Drum to be separated, but, you know, that they would have two representatives instead of one. 75%, 25%, yes, exactly. Exactly, that's ludicrous. That It's a U.S. Army base. They're supposed to take into account communities of interest. Right. Well, what community could have more in common than people who are serving together? How could you tell one guy who's with his family in, in, on one street and another guy with his on the other and right. say you're in two different congressional districts yeah. serving out of the same U.S. military base? Yeah. I mean, that, that's insane. Yeah. This, this district has 14 counties, yeah. and 11 of them are chopped up into multiple districts, and only three were kept whole of those 14 counties. If you wanted to, you could have took 10 or 11 counties, kept them whole, and made a district. Well, that- and instead, they have this abomination, really, um, of a district that, unfortunately, as you said, I believe is going to hold up in court. It is going to hold up. Uh, I'm glad that someone actually put up an uproar about it, but uh, it's not going to get anywhere. But uh, that's that's just the way New York State operates. I mean, we're, uh, upstate is essentially a mid-state environment politically. Uh, there's pockets of this, that, and the other thing. Ithaca, for instance, you know, not to mention, you know, Watertown, New York, did not vote for Donald Trump in 2020. Just to let you know, so that that landscape is changing too. We've had some leadership changes at City Hall that surprised a lot of people. So things are changing. I don't know for the better, uh, uh, Mario, but th- things are definitely changing. But listen, uh, this is great. By the way, if, if people want to know more about Mario, uh, go to Mario, Mario uh, Frado. Go to MarioForCongress.com. And Mario, you were up here in Clayton. I think you have an endorsement from Lee Zeldin, if I'm not mistaken. What's that? Uh, do you have an endorsement from Lee Zeldin? Well, if I do, that's news to me, but I'd love it. <laughs> we can run with that. No, <laughs> no, I thought I saw No, that's my bad. I thought I saw you on video with him at an event, so maybe I was mistaken. Oh, I'm, I did. I'm, well, I did, I did speak at an event with Lee Zeldin, and I, I um, 
actually asked everyone to vote for him, but at that event, he did not endorse me. Okay. So we're we're, <laughs> no, we're no. hopeful for that. But I did speak at an event with uh, Lee Zeldin. Gotcha, gotcha. And are you coming up soon, up to our area yeah, again? I know I'm you planning, were just here. I'm going to plan to be up there every week. So, you know, it's a massive district. We're 256 yeah. miles end to end. It is. But I want to be up there at least once every week. So hopefully um, this coming weekend I will be up there again. Uh, congratulations. Is that your first child? Yes, it's our first child. And I'll tell you what, the timing couldn't be worse for trying to run for office. <laughs> but the motivation, looking at this guy and thinking that I could leave him in the hands of yeah. people like Chris Jacobs or some sort of uh, – you know, left-wing loon, I, I can't do it. So I'm hoping for his future and everybody else's children that I can get in there. Uh, by the way, uh, Andrew Giuliani running for governor, he just had a child about four months ago. So you're kind of in the same bo- boat there. Big campaign even, You know, to be honest, I think Chris Jacobs just had one a couple months Did ago. Did he really? So. You, oh, you're all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. Yeah. That's good to see. Well, listen, Mario, yeah. uh, thanks once again. And Mario for Congress. Uh, and uh, we wish you well. We'll be talking to you soon right here on the Live at Five show and on AM 1240 uh, real soon as well. Thank you so much, Glenn. You have a good one. Yes, you too. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Uh, that's uh, Mario Frado here on the Live at Five show. We've got to break away from the action here. We will do so. And uh, we'll hear from some of our sponsors, and we'll be back after this. It's our second annual FX Capura mailer sale. Jefferson, St. Lawrence, Lewis Counties. Or by Jacobs for Congress. All right, we have our second caller, I believe, or a caller here. Let's see if this is our scheduled call here. Yes, it's Doug. Doug, what's happening? What's happening? Can you hear me? Yes, let me turn down my... uh... Doug is a, uh, a disgruntled, or should should I say, disappointed Democrat uh, who wants to share some insight. Yeah, what's that? Disappointed. Yeah, and again, just real quick, because last week we did speak with uh, Doug for the very first time here on the Live at Five show. This week I'm a little bit more prepared with Doug because Doug has done some in-depth reading uh, about the Biden family, uh, and you've been reading about Joe Biden, his son, his son Hunter. And all the other Bidens, too. We can't forget his brother's involved in a lot of things, too. So there's two books that have been published. One is The Bidens by Ben Schreckinger, uh, a writer for Politico. The other is The Laptop from Hell, written by Miranda Devine, a reporter, columnist, columnist rather, for the New York Post. She's on the Tucker Carlson show quite a bit. So first off, here's the thing. I just mentioned you are a disgruntled or disappointed Democrat, and you're reading such books. Doug, why are you doing that? Why are you breaking the rules for your own party? Because I, I like to know what's what's true, and I, um, um, I, I I'm I'm disappointed, and I'm checking up on what's what's going on. The laptop story. The more I read about it, the more it hangs together. So the the uh, Schreckinger. Uh, how do you say this guy Schreckinger? Boy, that's uh, I think it's Schreckinger. He's it's a German dude. That's for sure. It sets the yeah. table for the entire Biden family. Now the Bidens have an insatiable thirst for money and power but mostly for money, which is pretty much the same thing. Joe and Jill Biden lived uh, beyond his state's, uh, uh, rather, standard salary in multi-million dollar houses, blah, 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 here in Delaware. But they relied on the Biden relatives to make money to keep the family in high style. So we've seen a lot about his brother, Jim. Explain how Jim has been, I guess you could say, a major part of the Biden conspiracy or the family. Jim is the first uh, Biden to really keep the family living in the style to which they've become accustomed, which is way more luxurious than even a Senate salary allows. Right. Jim raises the money for the family. Jim 
raises influence for the family. Jim is Joe's younger brother. Yeah. You have to remember, yeah. Joe Biden was elected to the Senate in 1972 yeah. at the age of 29. Uh, Jim is even younger. I think he was 25 or 26. Hmm. He starts um, collecting chits, first in uh, Delaware, which turns out to be a pretty corrupt little state. Hmm. Uh, both books focus a couple of chapters just on Delaware. And Jim raises money. Jim does deals first in Delaware, then in Florida. Jim moves to Florida and settles in Florida. Mm -hmm. Then he uh, raises money as Joe becomes more uh, connected internationally uh, in the Senate. Jim becomes more adept at reaching out to international people. And suddenly there are his money. He's consulting as kind of a development specialist or a political specialist or a public relations specialist. And he's bringing in big money. Right. Um, and then the curious thing that, that interested me is that a lot of Jim's deals fall apart. Interesting. So Jim always needs to make the next million dollars, hmm. and he can't rely on his current clients because the clients keep folding apart. Hmm. So he has to make the next deal. Hmm. Wow. So you're saying that he might sign a deal, so to speak. And then it falls apart. They don't. They renege on it, or what would have been two million dollar deal turns into like a five hundred thousand dollar deal. These are these are flimsy deals. Okay, gotcha. And then, but here's the thing: the main aspect of why we're talking about this is because as as Joe Biden became more and more powerful, not to mention Vice President of the United States, it seems as if those are the years, at least from what I'm gathering from Fox and other sources, where his brother Jim and his son, for that matter, took advantage of their dad or brother's status as Vice bingo. President. Is that it? Am I reading you right there, Doug? Totally bingo. Yeah. Totally bingo. That, so they had two jobs. One is to raise money for the family. Right. The other is um, uh, to to use Joe's influence right. to find more business deals. But they had to do it as much as possible behind the scenes. Right. Her yes. daughter yes. in a car accident. Right. Oh, horrible. And famous. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very is, tragic. That's, that's terrible. Happened in my family, in mm-hmm. fact. Oh, I didn't and, know that. And they, uh, uh, the family gathered together, it's a large family, they gathered together and helped to raise Joe's two little boy sons, yeah. Hunter and uh, Bo and Hunter. Oh, yeah. And um, that drew them all that drew them all together. That's the story we know, the tragic story that we know about Joe Biden. What we don't know is how the Bidens kind of wanted to become the Kennedy uh, a junior Kennedy family. Like They're the Camelot. Irish yeah. Catholic, right, right. A large family. Yeah. And they um, interesting. Uh, they leveraged each other. Yeah, yeah. And uh, real quick here, Devine's book, uh, one of the uh, authors, is drawn enti- almost entirely from the laptop uh, issue, which a lot of people are talking about. Thousands of emails by Hunter, text messages, and salacious right. photos of Hunter often engaged in sex with prostitutes, ordering pizza and all this stuff. Um, this is the laptop from hell. You know, again, just real quick, Doug, just as a scenario, if any one of the Trump family had even something one-eighth or one-one-thousandth of information that they somehow or other lost due to a lost laptop or email, you know, the, the, this, the, the end result the would be story, much worse. The same story would be true either way. Yeah. This is, this is not a Democrat or Republican story. This is a story well, of, 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 a, of a family member to a powerful person, a vice president who was about to become president. Yeah. And Hunter uh, fall, kind of falls out with his father. He's, he's had a lifelong disappointment over the loss of his mother. Right. Um, 
he went to Georgetown and Yale Law School. He, he's an Ivy, he's an Ivy Leaguer. He's a smart guy. He's yeah. an attorney. Yeah. But what he really does for a long time, especially leading right up to to the twenty twenty election, hmm. he does sex. He yeah. does drugs. Yeah. He does prostitutes. Right. Uh, um, he he smokes crack cocaine that he cooks himself. Right. Right. Um, it, it it's really uh, gross. And then he does deals. Right. With the Ukrainians, as we all know, with Burisma. Right. It does deals with a, chi- with a very large private Chinese company that is kind of the private face right. of the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative that's all over the world. Mm-hmm. And this is all stuff that could influence Joe. No doubt. And no influence doubt. Na- our national security and our national policy. Do you think, real quick here, Duck, because i got to go, i got my next break, but let me just ask sure. you, this is good stuff, by the way, I'm glad you took the time to read these books as a Democrat and ask such questions. So do you think that we're compromised now with what's happening in Ukraine because of the involvement with the Ukrainian government and the Bidens? Per- personally, personally, no. Yeah. Okay. I think that um, uh, Burisma... Well, Burisma is still around, and mm-hmm. that concerns me. Mm-hmm. But I think... Um, so here's my I, thing. I'm not, I'm not that worried. I, I, I could be worried. I think we are, though, compromised in China. Okay, so in China, we just talked to a candidate for, the, for Congress who says... I, I heard, yeah, heard Mario. Yeah, and he, says, he brought up some enlightening things, uh, the same stuff that we usually hear, and sometimes we blow it off. But China is, in fact our biggest enemy. There's no doubt about it. We, we realize Russia, of course, has always been in the background, but now they could barely take over the state of Texas. Uh, and I, I don't say that disparagingly. I, I just I have to say that out loud because there's a lot of people feeling less uh, uh, anxious well, now, now that we know enough, the true colors of their military. Oddly enough, Ukraine is almost the size of Texas. Yeah, well, that's why I say it. It's, well, because in essence, Ukraine is Russia. Uh, to me, it's as close to a civil war as possible. A lot of people disagree when I say that. But at the end of the day, and I think we can agree on this, Ukraine aren't, they're not the most, uh, they're not the best angels to, to look upon as far as the way to run a nation. But that's another argument altogether. L- right. I just want to ask one simple question, uh, Doug. Where do we go forward? I mean, you know, we're stuck with a guy that obviously has done some things with respects to Ukraine. Uh, he's, you know, uh, other, you know, we still have Letitia James, the Attorney General right here in New York State, looking into things that the Trump family did before his presidency and their businesses and whatnot. Why do we have such hypocrisy and what could be done? I mean, going forward, you know what could be done? Joe Biden's our president. What can we do I think, now? I think the story has to come out so that so that the White House is constrained by having the truth being outed. I I think. You think um, Jen Psaki is going to talk about this? No, that's why that's why the truth has to come out so that we have so that they operate within the constraints of the truth, right. rather than within the constraints of a fantasy. True. True. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, and I'm just, again, I would, I would think that, you know, on such and such a day, you're going to talk to a guy that read these two books and he's outraged by it. I'm going to say, that's got to be a conservative. But at the end of the day, uh, um, uh, Doug, and your last name, Doug, escapes me for the moment. Uh, Dave, David, Davidoff uh, is, uh, is, is just a concerned uh, uh, Democrat. Uh, and that said, Doug, you also have a big, big day tomorrow. So here it is. Uh, you, you, you're waiting for, for an operation and whatnot, uh, and we wish you well with that. But, boy, you're still, you're still eager to talk about the Bidens, and I've got to give you a lot of credit for that, Doug. Been, these are two good books. Uh, the, the first book, the Ben Schreckinger book, The Bidens, mm-hmm. is kind of an overview. It's much more kind of repertorial. Uh, the, the, the Miranda Devine book is just 
salacious. But she also goes into the money stuff right. just as eagerly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Doug, yeah, Doug, I got to go. I got to do a break. But listen, my friend, good luck tomorrow. And we will talk to you soon when you recuperate. And I know you got to go through a, 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 some uh, physical therapy and whatnot. But we wish you well tomorrow, Doug. And keep at it. And we'll talk more about this when you have an opportunity, Doug. Sure. I'll stay in touch with you. Awesome. Doug, thank you again. Uh, that's uh, Doug Davidoff right here on the Live at Five Show. Friend of a friend uh, calling from Connecticut, the Nutmeg State. And uh, we, we uh, wish him well tomorrow. i got to do a break. We'll do that. We'll be back right after this. There's a lot of things that need changing. One of them could do 28. Paid for by Susan Duffy for New York State Assembly District. Oh, welcome back. we got about uh, eight minutes or so left in today's show. Great uh, call from uh, uh, Doug Davidoff. And uh, we wish him well again tomorrow. 7.30 tomorrow. He's under the knife. Uh, it's going to be a long operation. So, uh, again, good luck. Doug, who's still listening, which is good. Uh, now, the other thing I wanted to share with you, I talked a, a, a little bit about it um, with the with uh, Mario Frato there. And also, as, as we were talking to that uh, to Doug, uh, Ke- I don't know if I can say, uh, Kelly, is it okay to say your name? Yeah, I just did. Uh, we have someone who is a, a devout, I don't know how to put this, but Kelly's called in on the show before. And um, Kelly is entrenched with a lot of things that some people might just call downright, you know, ridiculous. And, 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 and Kelly and I have talked about it. But uh, Kelly writes uh, during that conversation, Joe Biden, our president, will step down soon due to a laptop evidence of crimes against humanity. He also says Ukraine is the uh, nest of human trafficking and biolabs. He also tells me to look it up. <clears throat> Constitutional law uh, coming soon along with 6,000 hidden pa- patents. I don't know anything about that. Both Bidens have already been dealt with with uh, through military tribunal. That will soon be revealed. So what, what, you know, Kelly is definitely a constitutional person. He's, he, he believes in the Constitution and the rules of the land. But unfortunately, if these things were to, be, were to come to fruition, one thing has to be stated, that the Constitution doesn't necessarily have to be applied in government anymore. We, we've seen that. I used the example of General Milley. I don't know if I said it like if I got a nickel for every time I brought it up here, I'd be rich. But it's true. In the era of Trump, the Constitution doesn't matter anymore. So if there's you know illegal illegalities here and there, and it's going to come out, and humanity against other crimes, uh, it, the, the deck is so stacked. There's no way that's going to change. Now, it, it, optimistically, things are going to change when the House and Senate go back to the to the to the Republicans next year. But uh, even then. I mean, just, again, interestingly enough, we've spoken to Congressman uh, Jacobs. You've heard his ads. Very conservative. I think he even mentions Donald Trump in there. But if you talk to uh, Mario Frado, it's a completely different ball of wax. It's like, no, Donald Trump doesn't like him. You know, we hear all types of things that may or may not make any sense. Kelly is on one side of, uh, of the conspiracy theorist, uh, theory uh, spectrum. There's no doubt about it. But then we literally hear things that just don't make sense. We had OB call up the hotline show last week. He says, I was in Britain, walking around, no masks, everyone enjoying themselves, walking here, there, everywhere. He goes on his phone. He notices that News Junkie in that exact moment is saying that there's essentially a lockdown in London going on. OB is our, uh, our European reporter at that very moment, and he brought it to the table on the hotline show last week. Just one of many examples. General Milley took it upon himself to do something that was so heinous. It, 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 you know, he should have been court-martialed right then and there, but he did it in the best interests of our democracy. 
That's their version. So it leads me to one other thing before we go here. And I, and I, and I said, <laughs> Kelly says, look it up. Representative Pramila, Pramila J- Jayapal. Can people just be Jeff Smith anymore? You know, Millie Smith, Amy Horton. I can remember those names. Glenn Curry, Pramila Jayapal. What the hell? What the heck is that? Don't call me a xenophobe, please. Uh, student debt cancellation is racial justice. She says it's also gender justice, economic justice. This, according to Fox, uh, Fox Business. And today, like I said, I was talking about it earlier. <laughs> uh, I talked about it earlier. I, I, the, the gentleman who does the Fox uh, Business Channel, uh, African-American gentleman, I don't remember his name. He's, he's outstanding. He has a great story, too. Came from nothing, one of those deals. He's a huge dude. And, boy, when he starts talking, people listen to him. They really do. You can hear a pin drop in that studio when he talks. Well, as Pramila Jayapal was going on, she says, student debt cancellation is racial justice. Student debt cancellation is gender justice, she tweets. It's also economic justice. So the gentleman from Fox News says 4.8% of her, her district is of African-American descent. I mean, that's, who they, I mean that's, the, that's the demographic breakdown. But she wants over a trillion dollars of, 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 of debt eliminated. And that's why it, it, you've got to be concerned with these people that want to get a seat at the table. They don't give a crap about their 730,000 constituents within their district. You think AOC cares about the Bronx and, and Queens? They have a platform. Maxine Waters doesn't even live in her own district. But her platform is white people are bad. Jaya Powell, even, despite the fact that she barely has an African community, uh, African-American community in her district, she's still vouching for them as if they're the ones that she's touting for. And that's great. That's fine. But what about your constituents? How did you get there? Well, it's pretty obvious how she got there. She lives in the state of Washington. And you see that all the time. All the time. So, again, you know, that, that's why it's important that people, you know, just like uh, Mr. Frado was talking about, you can't talk on both sides of your, of your mouth just because you think you need to be a rhino. And then one day they redistrict everything, and all of a sudden you are as red as the, as the, as the communist Russian flag. And all of a sudden, you got someone like Frado saying, "Ah, ah, ah! Not so fast. You were Republican, then you were Democrat, and then you were Republican again." Interesting. See the things you learn right here on the Live at Five show. It's going to be a tall order for Mr. Frado to win in the primary. We all know that, but that's all part of, the, uh, of our of our democracy, and that's how it should be. And uh, I appreciate him calling in today. We'll hear more from him. I also appreciate Doug calling in. This was the Live at Five show for a Monday, AM twelve forty, WA ten. What a time makes this legal. Up next, CBS News. You have a good night. This is CBS News on the Hour, your home for original reporting. I'm Matt Piper in New York. Americans are still in the middle of spring break, and a federal judge says no more masks on public transit. It's a ruling over a lawsuit filed last summer. The suit was filed last July by a Florida group called the Health Freedom Defense Fund. The judge's ruling says the mask mandate exceeds the authority of federal health officials and that the CDC failed to follow proper